motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Julie Cass, the founder of the Positive Change Group. She helps people create positive changes in their lives through business coaching and personal development. Thank you so much for joining me, Julie. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So along with being the founder of the Positive Change Group, Julie is also a motivational speaker, certified health, mindset, and business coach, and a yoga instructor. She is also a wife and proud mom of two children and three stepchildren. Julie has scaled and grown seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as coached hundreds of leaders and business owners to success. Julie's passion is to help ambitious women who are struggling with guilt and fear of growing to the next level. She helps them uncover a success roadmap to abundance without compromising their truth. I am really looking forward to talking with Julie today about her motherhood work juggle, prioritizing our health and mindset, and the importance of our relationship with ourselves. I can't wait to dive in, Julie. Yay, me too. This is my passion. (laughs) That is fantastic. We're going to have some great conversation. So to start off with all the different hats that you wear in your mom life and work life, how have you made this juggle work for you and your family? That is such a good question. So the first thing I'll say, Tana, that I learned, um, probably from a younger age in my 20s, is that when you sacrifice your own sense of self, um, whether that is your health, your truth, all of it, where we put ourselves second, it eventually catches up with you and it comes out sideways. And I did that at an early age, feeling like in order for me to be successful, that meant working seven days a week. And I did that. I worked seven days a week for a year. And I didn't know if it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So you can imagine what that did to relationships in my life. But also, I lost myself and who I was. And that was before I became a mom. And I'm, I'm almost grateful that happened before I became a mom. Because what I learned is nothing is worth sacrificing yourself. If you cannot possibly be the best version of yourself when you put yourself last or second. And I grew up with a belief structure almost in the sense that when we as women put ourselves first, that's actually selfish. And so I've done a lot of my own work in really unpacking that belief and looking at that as such a false and and not to blame others who believed in that, just it doesn't actually make sense when you think about it. You 
put yourself first so you have more to give to others. And I was saying to you as women, we are awesome at nurturing other people. That becomes easy to us. It's easy to do. And it's harder to turn that love and that nurturing inward. But when you realize that doing that makes you a better version of you, you have more to give to your career. You have more to give to your kids. You have more to give to your husband, your partner, and you ultimately are a happier person. And I think the point of this life is to actually experience joy. I really do. At the end of it all, we are here to experience joy and not feel guilty about that. Yes. Well, and you just, you can't pour from an empty cup no, well, you or you can't, can't pour well. <laughs> no, you yeah. can't. Well, you end up draining it and then you go into your reserve tank. And so I would say the biggest thing for me was giving myself permission to take care of myself. And when I talk about self-love with a lot of my clients, that's deeper. And I've worked in that wellness business for years. And I'm saying this is self-love beyond getting a manicure, pedicure, facial. Like it's beyond that. It's, it's self-care in the sense of really working on your mindset, first and foremost, um, the mental chatter that we tend to have in the dialogue and how we upgrade that and how we love ourselves unconditionally first. And um, the mindset piece, though, is probably the biggest thing because then every other dot in your life connects well when you work on your own mindset. And so there's so many different ways we can do that. But I call that kind of the brain training piece. And um, it's connected to everything. I mean, it's connected to what we eat. It's connected to how we move our body. It's connected to some of our daily rituals. But that is such a big piece in creating that work-life balance. Like, it's, it's everything. It's everything. I think it is so important. It's, it's actually quite unbelievable sometimes just how that messaging that we are telling ourselves, what an effect it has in all facets of our life. And I'm curious, what kinds of things do you do for your own health and mindset? And with that, what advice would you give to women who are feeling incredibly overwhelmed with the stress of juggling their work life and their mom life? Okay. So good questions. Um, so we are, we've obviously gone through interesting times in our, in our world. And I would say that it's normal to feel like you're on a bit of an emotional roller coaster now more than ever, because there's a lot of shifts happening on our planet. And, you know, I just posted this on my social media account yesterday, like we need to give ourselves grace. And sometimes that grace is, Hey, I'm feeling off, or I maybe just need a little bit of time to myself, or I need a timeout. I believe I'm putting moms on a timeout, you know? Um, and I think grace is such a big, big piece of that, but I know for me, and I've said this to my clients as well, I've always preached this, but now more than ever, self-care has to be a non-negotiable. So for me, for instance, what that has meant is I would meditate 20 minutes every morning. That was my ritual. And then I would go into a physical activity because for me, I am a very A-type personality and the physical activity or exercise is for me a huge stress relief. Physically, the health coach part of me says, you know, and we know this scientifically, it's proven to increase serotonin levels. It hits the happiness button. It's such a great way to create a mood shift. So I do that for mental health more than anything else. But with COVID, with the times we've gone through, all of that's gone up. So I now meditate for me personally. I've gone from 20 minutes to 45 to an hour a day. And that's become my routine because I felt I've needed to up the ante on that. 
I don't, you know, before I'd be like, okay, if I, if I move five times a week, I'm like, no, 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 you move your body every day, even if that's going for a walk outside around the block. And, you know, last night it was 10 o'clock at night for me, but it's a commitment I've made to myself that I am not, it's a contract. It's like a sacred self loving contract. And I actually track it every day. I have a little tracker that I use because I'm holding myself accountable. And that's probably the most sacred relationship you can have is the one with yourself. And so it's upping the ante. The other thing I've really worked on, and I love working with clients on this, is the mindset mental chatter that we have and bringing a higher level of consciousness to that. So what I call the critter brain. And the critter brain is the one where we're maybe saying, oh, I can't do that. Or who do I think I am to, to want to be able to do that? And I, I don't have time for this. And I don't have time for that. And we've all done that. So it's bringing a level of consciousness to when that critter brain starts to creep in, when self-doubt or self-deprecation self comes, is saying, okay, there's that statement that I've repeated. What's the opposite of that? What's the upgraded version of that? And literally training your brain to catch yourself every time you say it to say, more of an uplifting or an affirming positive affirmation. And the more we do that, the more you're training your subconscious to actually live in that state of being. And so that is such a key practice. It's such like, if you say, I feel overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed and you keep repeating that. Well, then you are creating overwhelm on repeat. Whereas if you say, I feel peaceful, I, I'm breathing, I'm exhaling, or I can do this. I am doing this. Your subconscious is now being trained in that frame of mind and that starts to show up in your life. So the brain training and the subconscious work is such a big part of that. And then the other thing I'm going to say as a working mom, and I, you know, I, when my kids were, were babies and young, I ran a resort, which was a 24 hour a day, 365 day a week operation with over 300 employees. And the biggest piece I learned in doing that is that when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm home, I'm at home. And being in a state of present state is huge. Multitasking, I remember when I used to hire people in my young, early 20s, I would ask if they could multitask. I will never ask someone that. I don't want you to multitask. I want you to be focused and present with what you're doing because you actually can achieve more in less amount of time. So when I'm playing with my kids, I'm not on my phone. I'm not distracted. I'm present. They feel that. So they feel their emotional cup and I feel my emotional cup with feeling that engagement. Same with my husband. When I'm at work, I'm really focused and then I can be in my creative power and my creative energy and I get more accomplished in a less amount of time. So I think that whole point of being present, doing what you're doing, it allows you to be less scattered and you feel like you can do more in less. And I'm a big believer in hitting the easy button. Like, how do I make this easier, not harder? So that's a big one, huge. No, I think that is so important because I do, I find when those boundaries kind of blur yeah. That's when the anxiety level sort of creeps in. And, you know, I'm thinking even of my husband right now, who's a school principal and feeling very overwhelmed. And I try and remind him if he needs to have that long day, he might as well just like pick a couple days and stay at work and get her yeah. done there. Because 
when he comes home, I can see he's trying to do both and it just ends up being the most frustrating experience. And I've had that experience as well. It's not good because the kids want to spend time with him and he's trying to get things done and it's just not great. Yeah. 100%. And you said something really profound here and that is having boundaries, but it's amazing when we communicate those boundaries. It takes all the energy and angst away. So if you're saying to your kids or to your partner, like, I have to work a couple extra hours tonight, so I'm not going to be present with you. Can you guys self-regulate? Can you do something? Then it's okay. But I think the worst thing is when you don't communicate that boundary, but you don't feel that person's presence, that's where you get that emotional drain. So wow, it's profound to be able to speak your truth, to communicate that. And it's funny, I do a lot of talks on finding your own personal equilibrium, which is really about work-life balance. And work-life balance is kind of an interesting phenomenon because it's never going to be in perfect balance. The key is for you to have inner equilibrium, inner balance. And the only way you can do that is taking care of yourself first, filling your cup, being present where you are and having boundaries is a big key I talk about because if you have a busy work week, that's maybe a lot of extra time. It doesn't mean you're out of balance if you've communicated that and you've nurtured yourself. And then the next week, I mean, I've done that. I've had long weeks and then I have days going, gay hey, guys, it's Thursday. I'm taking Friday off because I can. And so you balance it that way versus it has to be a 40 or a 30 hour work week. That's not realistic. No, so absolutely not. I think yeah. we can be in flow more when we communicate our boundaries yeah. and it takes the anxiety out. Absolutely. And I'm just, I'm even picturing the things that you're talking about. Almost, I, I almost want to have like a list of them written down and posted. And so when those anxious feelings creep yeah. up or that overwhelm creeps up, just even having those words there to just look at and think, sort of reflect for myself what is it that isn't happening here that's contributing to this? Because I yeah. know, you know, if like I'm, I'm right there with you, physical activity for me is a huge part of reducing stress and it's a part of my routine. And I schedule that time for myself and I make it a priority. And I know that if I don't, that I'm going to feel more stressed. Yes. And I, I can see that connection. Um, but, and, and the creating the boundaries, that's been a big one. I found that I've gotten better at communicating them. Um, and then also learning to say no sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and not feeling, it's so interesting. It's not, feel, I was just writing actually a, um, a kind of, a, you know, a, a keys to creating or increasing your energy because a lot of people are feeling really energy depleted right now. And there's a lot of things we can do to increase our our energy. And one of those things is boundaries. And it is learning to say no to some things. And what I have found really interesting with COVID is, is it's forced us to actually do what I call a calendar cleanse. And it's forced us to have to say no to things that we might not have had the courage to say no to before. So what I'm telling people now is before you go back to that crazy routine lifestyle, do an audit and say, hey, what do I want to bring back on my calendar? Who do I want to spend time with? I mean, there's people we greatly miss, there's no doubt. And there's people maybe that drain our energy that we've spent too much time with and feeling okay to say no to that because it is not self-serving and it doesn't serve our loved ones when we do things for guilt and obligation. 
it's um, it, it that that will drain your energy more than anything else. So yeah, having a voice and you know, I always say guilt is a low, low vibration energy. So eradicating that feeling would be a good thing to increase her energy because it is a very low, it is a very low vibration to feel guilt. And, you know, I came from a, um, Italian immigrants and guilt is like our second language. Like it's easy to, to, to be able to, you know, talk about guilt a lot or feel guilty about this. So again, that's sort of an emotion I've really learned to deal with and be conscious of when I feel guilty. It's like, why am I feeling guilty? Is this because I, sh I, I should? Well, there's no should feeling guilty. If I am doing this to serve myself for my own health and vital energy, then there's nothing to feel guilty about. Nothing. Yeah. And it, it is such a draining emotion. It is. It is. It's, that is a tough one. And there's the whole mom guilt and all that that goes along with it. And in that line, as moms, we are often giving of ourselves and taking care of others. So why do you feel that in all of this, we really need to remember that the most important relationship we have is the one with ourselves? So I think the, like, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think my belief around that is when we leave this planet one day, right, which we're all going to, and you reflect back on your life, you're not sitting there thinking, I wish I worked more, or, you know, I wish I felt more guilt, or I wish I, you know, that, that, those thoughts are not going through your mind. It's how rich of a life did we live? And when I say rich, rich comes through relationships. And that we're humans, right? So connection is a driving force for us. But we need to remember that in order to have rich connections, the most important connection is connecting inward first. And you know, I talked about this before, living your truth is the key to happiness, living in your truth, which means being honest with yourself first, um, being loving with yourself first, allows you to love others deeper and more intimately and on a more connected level. So that's what you remember. That's when you're sitting there, I think on your rocking chair, looking back, hopefully, you know, God willing to say, wow, I lived a rich life. I lived a rich life because I was true to myself. Um, I loved myself. I also emulated that for my family and my kids as a role model and how important that is. And connecting inward is really remembering not to get too deeper, but really remembering who we are. And you can't remember who you are or have that sense of peace and, and connect to that sort of higher intelligence if you're distracted in your life. Like technology, distraction, go, go, go. That was me. And then you lose who you actually are. And, and I think the whole point is to evolve and to be a better version of ourselves every day. Well, in order to do that, we need to go inward. We need to, we need to reflect and, and love ourselves deeply. And then we can love others deeply. And I learned that the hard way. So that's why I'm so passionate in, in helping and mentoring others in, in making those choices now and teaching our kids to make those choices. Absolutely. I think it is such a great example to show for our kids that it's important to take care of ourselves and getting, having them, you know, get to know themselves better 
uh, and to have those reflective moments and to really think about who they are, what are the things that make make them happy? What are the things that are important to them? So if we're doing that work and taking that time ourselves, I think, you know, we're walking the talk, right? I think it's so powerful. We are. And, and to that point, Tana, we are seeing now more than ever higher cases of mental duress and anxiety and stress. And, you know, I always say, I think technology has been a blessing and a curse, right? It's allowed us like, look what we can be doing right now with this podcast. I mean, it's amazing. And your reach can go to more people and have higher influence. And there's so many blessings in how we can run our businesses today. And, you know, I remember watching Star Trek when I was young and, and I never thought in my lifetime I'd be able to do a video call with my parents. And especially during COVID, that has been such a blessing. So I have huge gratitude for it. But technology has also created a distraction and it's created a distraction from self and it's created you know, I, I often call it the compare and despair. And so when we look at teenagers, and I have a teenager growing up in today's world, life was simpler for us when we were growing up. You know, you played outside for hours, and now it's harder to pull kids away from technology. So that's why that deeper self-care is so important for us as moms to to be able to show by example because our children need to have that balance now more than ever it's it's become almost a non-negotiable for them to balance like life on technology is not real compared to walking out in nature and seeing magic around you like you're going to get a different level of grounding from that one versus the other so i think in today's day and time this has become even more important that inner work that self-reflection and to show our kids how to do that yeah i agree i can't imagine growing up with technology as they are now, as far as my own experience went. So it does create some interesting challenges. Look at that from a mom's point of view, when you have that guilt of taking care of yourself and you can maybe reframe that to say, well, my kids need to learn how to do this. My kids need that tool in their toolbox now more than ever because they are growing up with technology. That, that, that has become such a norm in life that we need to show them the balancing side to that. And that can help get rid of the guilt, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's one reason in our family, well, this summer is a little bit more challenging, but uh, with my husband being a principal and I work in education and choose not to teach in the summer months, um, we generally take big trips in the summer. Amazing. And yeah, it's fantastic because we're away from technology for the most part. And um, we've had some reflective conversations with our kids about, you know, how that is kind of different and how they might feel different. And you're just kind of out exploring. And we talk about how much we prioritize in our family, like experiences and doing yes. things and, and having that time with those special people in our lives and creating those memories. Right. But yeah, I mean, the draw your values, your core. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. The draw Fortnite is there though. <laughs> oh, don't I know it. And you know, what's so funny. My son last night said, you know, he, he, he's, he's nine and I, there is a push pull with Fortnite. There is, and it's been, it's been a challenge. There's no doubt. Um, but I talk to him about it and I say, you know, do you, what do you feel when we go for a walk and you're in nature and you see this and you see that? 
And he said, he goes, you know, mommy, I think I want to spend more time away from Fortnite. And he said that last night. And I said, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> and I encourage that because it's just balance. And if it's something you love to do, I don't want to take it away from you, but it's balance. If that's all you're doing, you don't have that perspective of that, again, that connection that we get, whether it's you know, playing with each other, playing a game of cards feels different than playing Fortnite where you're zoned out. So we, it's funny, we just had the Fortnite conversation <laughs> last night. And, you know, with my nine-year-old, I find it easier um, than I do with my 13-year-old. Like it's normal for him and I to do a meditation at night together because he's still, he still listens to me. And, is, <laughs> you know, it's, and, and that is one thing I would say if I could have done it differently, I would have done more of that with my daughter when she was younger, for sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, I guess in these times, Fortnite is a way for them to connect socially with their it peers is. that they're not why, able. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm trying to say then make a plan with a friend. So you're not, you're playing with somebody, right? But yeah, no, it's, I agree. we're definitely, uh, according to our children, we are the strictest parents in our community. That's so funny. Day. That's what mine say oh. about us too. But, but, you know, and I think as a, as a, as a parent, I'll say to that too, you know, things for me for coping through these times has yeah. been to let go of some of totally. my boundaries around that. And some of the things that maybe I was really anal about is to let it be a little looser so that they can have that time because I am aware, like they need that social interaction just like we do. We do. And so that is how my son has been socially engaged. My sister has been, do, uh, my sister, sorry, my daughter has been on FaceTime and, and uh, there's all these different apps like House Party where you can have video calls. And, and I, I'm, I'm okay with her having a little more time on her phone because I know she needs that social interaction. She's not physically seeing her friends. So, you know, we've had to loosen the reins a little bit and let them sort of figure that out too and, and be okay with it. Yeah, there's definitely been some some loosening for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, these are unique times. They are. Yeah. They are. And again, I think it's balanced like everything else. They get technology time, but then we carve time out where we're present or engaged, whether it's playing a game of Monopoly or cards or going for a hike. And, and it's balancing it with those times. And then you feel like, okay, I filled the emotional cup. Now you go have your time and we're okay with that. <laughs> exactly. I need yeah. yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It's a, it's a little bit of everything, right? Totally. Yeah. And with this uh, discussion, because this is very much about keeping it real, um, in the part-time jungle, we like to keep it real about motherhood. And I'm wondering if you have a mommy mess up that you'd be willing to share with us. So maybe a mistake or something you wished you had done differently, maybe a learning opportunity that you've had as a mom. Huh, okay. Uh, there's probably many. I mean, you know, I think we take things from our parents and um, there's so many blessings my parents gave me. And then I learned things that I wanted to do differently. Um, and I know I say to my husband, we laugh all the time. I was like, and our kids are going to learn from us and want to do differently with their kids. And I think that's part of that evolution. Um, you know, I really think like, so my daughter being 13, my son being nine, I remember people saying to me, you know, time flies so fast and it does. And I look back now and, and don't you wish like you could have two minutes with them as toddlers or babies. And, you know, my kids are four years apart. And I think it's, it's interesting because 
my daughter was the princess for a very long time. And then her little brother comes and in a way for her, it messed up her world, right? Because it's like, who is this kid? And when I look back now, I think, how could I have maybe balanced that a little bit differently for her? Um, where she felt just as precious and sacred, even though there was this little guy who took up a lot of my time and space. And I would, and, and I don't even know how I could do that other than just really make her feel, and I hope I've done my part in making her feel cherished and loved. But it's interesting when you're a parent of multiple kids, it's, you know, your kids are different. And, and my son is, you know, she laughs, she goes, he's a mommy's boy. He monopolizes time. He wants cuddles. He wants this. And she doesn't. And I think if I look back, I'm like, how could I have carved out more time when he was a baby just for her? And I see parents who do that. And I would encourage that to say, you almost have like dates with your kids one-on-one. -on -one. And I did that a few times and my daughter remembers it, but I wish I did that more with her. I wish I would be like, okay, you know what? Dad's got Noah. We're going to go out and it's going to be just a mummy daughter day or night or this or that. And I wish I had done that more because you fill your emotional cup when you're one-on-one -on -one connected more than you do in, in a group in a, as a family. So I've learned that now and I try to be more conscious of that now with her. But if I've made a mistake, I would say, wish I had done that more when he was a baby, for yeah. sure. And it's so tough when they're little. I, it is. Because they require so much hands-on attentiveness and it's, it's tough. And I, I'm listening to what you're saying and I can relate on so many levels. I was one of three um, and then we have three kids now and um it's it's tricky to get that one-on-one -on -one time yeah. especially in the midst of all the hockey and gymnastics and piano that we're normally doing um we try not to go overboard on that but even with each of the kids kind of choosing one activity it gets pretty hectic and um something my mom and dad said which connects with what you were talking about there is when we were growing up for birthdays we got like a special time with each of them and oh, so we nice. tried to carry that on with our kids now obviously uh the covid-19 situation has made the options rather limited for what yes. you can do but but kind of having that special time together i really um tried to carry on that tradition and it's been pretty special and see you remembered that like that yeah. had an impact on you so that's profound and i know with covid it's been simple things for me like okay my daughter loves a frappuccino at starbucks and you know so again the health coach and me is like okay i'm going to let this go <laughs> this is a treat but the fact that her and I can go to the drive-thru, yeah. it might be 20 minutes in the car together. I'll take it, you know, totally. I'll take that time. And so you find those opportunities to be able to have a conversation, to connect. I mean, we obviously are strict about it. And for me, dinner time, meal time has been sacred. And I've loved that in COVID, we've had all our meals together. It's been yeah. awesome. So, you know, there's no technology at the table. There's no distraction. It is a time for us to connect and to converse. And they all know from my stepkids to my little ones that that is a rule. Like, you know, we, we sit down and it's more than the food. It's about connecting as a family. And so we have those sacred technology-free zones as well. And I think that is so 
important for connection, right? So really carving out that time and as a connection time, I think that's fantastic. And something that I've been trying to be better at recently, like just trying to be more intentional with, because, you know, with uh, like a birthday special time, for example, like that's a big thing, but those smaller windows of time. And I love like grabbing uh, a Frappuccino with your daughter or, you know, having those meal times together. I'm trying to be better about, you know, there's a little window of time and my one little guy's by me. So let's play a quick game of like Uno together. Or I'm trying um, now, like, I mean, the weather's beautiful right now. Um, Taking them one at a time, like for a walk. So they each have a night. Yeah. And it's, and I love it. I get two rounds around the block and I'm working (laughs) and you talk on a different level. And I think it's, it, you're so right. It, you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed as moms because we think, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. But if it's five minutes here, yeah. 10 minutes there of connectivity, that will fill both of your emotional cups and allow you just, the key is though, to be present. Yes. Like to actually have them feel your energy, to look in their eyes, to not be distracted by anything. You know, it was the same with my employees. My employees would feel that. Like if they're talking to me and the phone rings in the office and I pick it up, well, you're not present with your employee. They feel that. So it's just being present with each other. And it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be pockets of five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, And that goes a long way. A long way. And that's why I'm saying like, give, give yourself grace right now to say, okay, you know, like, just this morning, my son, you know, we're, we're making a little bit of breakfast and he sits down and I'm like, I'm going to grab my coffee and my glass of water. I'm sitting with him. We're sitting at the breakfast nook across the table from each other. I'll take the five minutes, you know, I'll take the five minutes. <laughs> yes, I know. So then, yeah, it makes it feel manageable and it makes such yeah. a difference. And then you have that important, authentic connection time. It's you so do. Good. And then as working moms, you don't feel guilty then when you're at work because you, you grabbed those moments and those moments are available to us. They're there. There's opportunities. I think it's just seeing it in a different lens. It's yes. looking at it as a different opportunity. Um, it's, it's saying, you know, I actually block time for me to go on social media. And even for me, I know that that can feel like a drain. It can feel like an energy drain. So I don't want to be connected to it all day. No, thank you. So, you know, you sort of block times. It's like block scheduling your calendar for self-care, for family time, for, um, you know, work time, for all of that. And it, it does make a difference for our mental health. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's such a powerful message. Um, and on that note, um, before we wrap things up, do you have any final, I know you've shared many and I'm so appreciative, but any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles? So one of the things I would do right now in, um, I've done this and I've had a lot of success with my workshops is I would love moms to take out a piece of paper and write their name at the top and write their day, write the date and write one, two, and three, and then sign it. And what this is, I'd love you to fill out three commitments you can make to yourself when we talk about deeper self-care. And maybe that's for the next month, okay? Because it's a month is kind of a nice chunk or a week. And really get clear on 
what are three things I could do for myself that I can really commit to that would help make a shift, would help replenish my energy, would help make me um, just elevate my emotional state. And so that might be getting outside, for instance, and walking. It might say, hey, I've never meditated before. I'm going to do a five-minute daily meditation. Five minutes can create a massive shift. You know, it might be literally something simple as to I'm going to track my water intake and, and increase my water. But three self-care commitments you can make and sign it and write it out and put it somewhere visual because I'm a big believer in a visual anchor because a visual anchor helps hold us accountable. And I think it's just baby steps. Like if you can do those three things, then what happens is you increase your mental well-being threshold, if that makes sense. So then my mental well-being threshold goes from here to here. Now I can look at that and go, okay, now what's the next threshold I want to increase? And those three commitments just become habit-forming. They're um, that you don't even consciously think about them anymore. So then you can maybe do three more or three different ones. And that was a game changer for me around meditation. It was a game changer for me around um, positive affirmations and the mental uh, chatter in my head and upgrading that is you do it often enough that you don't even think about it anymore. It just becomes like brushing your teeth. And I, I think if you could do that right now, three things that are simple that you can commit to, you deserve it. You deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. And that is such a great action step, right? Easy, yeah. doable, and it could create some amazing momentum for people. But even those three steps or those three action items, right, could make a huge difference. Huge difference. And, and sign it. So it's like yes, a contract you're making to yourself. It's yep. like, I duly commit to one, two, three, and I'm signing it and dating it. And, you know, give yourself a month to really do that on a daily basis. And I guarantee you, you will see a shift. And so, but I want it to be realistic. So for instance, if one of your things is meditation, you go and put an hour meditation a day, that's not realistic. If you've never done it, do five minutes, start yeah. there. And then you incrementally build up from that. But it is, um, we, we all have 24 hours in a day. I'll say that we all do. The key is how you're prioritizing yourself within those 24 hours to make that shift and that difference. And, and I really believe overwhelm is something you can conquer. It's something you can overcome. It's something that you can live with more grace, but you have to change some of your, the way you're spending time in order to change overwhelm, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I'm going to be making my list today and I'm going to be yes. putting to drink more water on it. Uh, well, I know it's a yes. simple thing, but it gives us energy. Yeah. It gives yeah. us energy. It's and, if, and, and you're right. If I see things written down, I'm more attentive to it. Uh, it's there. So you have to think about it, right? Um, yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, visual anchor. I, I love, and I love that visual anchor. Yes, I'm going to be doing that for myself today. So thank you. Awesome. And, and Julie, thank you so much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the amazing work that you do, where are the best places to find you? So my Instagram and Facebook um, account is at the positive change group. And so you can find me there. I do post regularly on those just inspiration, motivation, 
I also, for any moms who are in business or wanting to make a career change or starting a business, I've got a Facebook group that you can join as a private group that's called Elevate Your Biz, Getting Beyond the Layers. And my website is thepositivechange.ca. Fantastic. I'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Julie. It was great to connect with you. So awesome to connect with you too. I love what you're doing and I think it's great to help and inspire and lift women. Like we need to support each other and keep doing that. It's so great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.thepartimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.